Hey, how's it going? Rich, this is I. I'm back. Uh, we are hitting um, episode 20. This is going to this episode is going to be about um, design related issues with um, Shorehouse. Um, with uh, basically I I've done a number of uh, Shorehouses down at the uh, Jersey Shore uh, waterfront type properties, you know, vacation homes and whatnot. So I'm going to go over some uh, design elements uh, related to that. But uh, first off, just a quick update. It's been a, been a few weeks here. Actually, the um, uh, I just moved my office to a new location, a uh, bit smaller location in terms of um, my, uh, my workspace. I went from about 800 some square, maybe 850 square feet to um, 200 square feet now. Um, but uh, the building I'm in is actually a building uh, my family and I we we own. Uh, my wife's um, my wife is a uh, dance instructor and has a ballet school, so it's the same building that the ballet school is in, um, which is going to be uh, probably simplify a few things for us uh, financially. It makes a lot more sense because we own the building rather than me paying rent uh, for another space, and then um, also when it you know where we have three kids and that exchange and getting, you know, getting kids, um, to their activities. I mean, we have, we have kid, our youngest is, is 16 months and our oldest is about to turn 15. So, and then we have another one in between. So it's all kinds of varying, um, different activities we got to bring, bring them to and, you know, different, um, you know, um, uh, considerations, you know, at home and, and whatnot, um, so, you know, got a lot going on, uh, but being in the uh, same building work-wise um, kind of simplifies that. So it's good to actually be done with that move. I uh, I uh, basically did, did well, except for some of the heavy equipment uh, that I hired a mover for. I did a lot of the stuff uh, the past month. Um, I just slowly kind of moved the entire office over. And um, it's good to now actually just be uh, back at home. I will say one thing that's... Uh, I found a little interesting is that, you know, like I said, it's a much smaller space. Everything's a little bit tighter. The other day I actually was uh, putting a drawing set together and I really, I really, uh, <laughs> I really liked the, the smaller space because everything I needed was within arms, arms reach. Um, the stapler to put to, to staple the drawings, the, the blue pen that I used to sign drawings, the, my, my, uh, architectural seals were in a cabinet right next to my tape, like right behind my table that I had, um, I was, um, putting the, all the drawings together and the plotters right next to, next to the, uh, the table as well. So it's like, everything was right there. <laughs> and actually I was like, Oh, I kind of like that. Uh, before it was like the pen was in the other room, the seals were in a different room. And, you know, I was always kind of like walking around a little bit. So, um, it was, uh, you know, that was a, a nice and, um, you know, so I'm just kind of getting, uh, accustomed to, uh, being, being in, in this new space. And then, um, also been, uh, been real busy. Another reason why it's been a couple weeks is, uh, I've just had a lot, a lot going on in terms of, uh, project work. Uh, I've been getting some stuff out the door, some new stuff that's, uh, coming down the pipeline and, uh, it's never ending. So, um, I guess uh, with that, I will uh, transition over to a little bit of music here, and then we'll uh, jump into the um, the episode um, talking about uh, shore house uh, design issues. Mm -hmm. 
Now, a few years ago, I had a um, a client who started investing a lot of um, um, money or doing a lot of projects down in uh, a few different um, shore towns in uh, New Jersey. And um, it was, uh, I'm trying to think how many I did. Maybe I'm going to say about seven or eight different houses over, uh, you know, a couple year period. And uh, their, their uh, um, kind of um, approach was to target uh, bay Bayfront properties and develop, um, uh, for the most part, single family homes on these uh, properties. Usually what they were looking for was either, you know, an empty lot or some, um, some properties that, um, you know, had like an old, an old um, house on it that could be uh, torn, you know, torn down. And then they basically essentially would build, build new from there. So um, most, like I said, most of those were single family. I think we did ended up doing two uh, duplexes, which are uh, two family homes. But the, uh, the concepts I'm going to talk about here, doesn't really necessarily matter in terms of uh, single family or, or duplex or multifamily or anything. It's um, basically uh, these, these concepts, um, are the same for all those building types. And uh, basically the first thing we look at in a, in a shore house design or, or anywhere, not, not only just at the beach, but this, this could be for, um, you know, any waterfront, you know, like a lake, a lakeside area, um, you know, anywhere where there's, there's water, there's a potential for flooding. So these concepts are all um, are related to that. Um, the, you know, even, um, you know, depending, well, I mean, it could be, a, you know, one of the Great Lakes in the U.S. Um, could have, you know, the wave, wave forces and things like that, too. So um, the, uh, the, the first thing we look at is the base flood elevation of what the property is. So and basically what that is, is the, um, the, the, what you call it, the, the national, like, um, uh, what, what is it, National Flood Insurance Program sets um, the different, um, base flood elevations based off of, of recorded storm and, uh, water levels over, you know, basically everything's based off of like, let's say a what they call a hundred year storm. So the worst case scenario over a hundred years, um, is usually the, um, well, I'm, um, the, uh, recorded, uh, elevation. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back for a second because the base flood is based off of more of a, uh, average, of what that elevation is over that time. And uh, we'll talk about flood zones later on. And the, the flood zones um, deal more with the uh, most, um, you, you know, the more um, unique, the hundred year storms. So the, um, so the base flood elevation. So if you, if you were looking this up, there's different types of uh, flood maps in the, um, on like the FEMA sites and whatnot, you can actually look up, you know, whatever address it would be. And then you'll see the map and you'll see a letter, which I, which will be the, um, the indication of the flood zone. But then you'll also see a number and what that number is your base flood elevation. So it'll say like elevation nine, elevation eight, elevation 14, 15, etc. You know, it'll be a different number d depending where you are. And when you look at um, like, so just using the Jersey Shore example, you have 
the ocean side of the uh, island or peninsula, and then there'll be the, you know, the bay side and then the midland. So usually, you know, the both waterfront areas are going to have a different number or higher number. Like, uh, I think like in the one town where we did some houses, like in Avalon, the, um, where one of them was built, the, the elevation was like nine for where the property was. And that was on a bay front inland, inland of, of the, of the, um, of the town was like elevation eight. So basically a lot of the properties that were not waterfront and then on the ocean side, the elevation was like either uh, 14 or 15, um, you know, for, for, for those properties. So uh, you base everything off of this flood elevation and what the, what there's a definition that FEMA uses and actually a lot of the municipalities, excuse me, the municipalities use as well, it's called a, uh, a freeboard elevation. And what that typically is actually, free, the term freeboard is interesting, is actually a nautical term. And what that is, is it's the height of the water level to the upper deck of the boat. So it's very similar in this case, where the freeboard elevation is the height from the recorded base flood elevation to the... Um, Typically, I will say it's the first floor level, but some municipalities use it as a different, um, a different way. So basically, um, some municipalities will say, okay, well, the, the first floor can be at freeboard. Um, some other municipalities may say first floor needs to be one foot, two feet, three feet above freeboard. Um, they'll even say, um, you know, elements, like let's say if there was duct work or, or pipes and, and whatnot um, for the house needs to be above freeboard or at freeboard level. Um, so it's, it, it, it does vary from town to town. But typically that freeboard elevation is one to three feet above the uh, base flood elevation. So like I said, the, the, once the freeboard is established, um, by uh, through through um, FEMA, the municipalities then take that freeboard elevation and then determine where they want to put where the first floor can be, where the um, the different um, you know elements in a um, in a in a building can be. You know, it's all 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 on the municipal municipality and usually the municipalities will, or or some municipalities will also use the freeboard as a base point for what the overall building height can be for a, um, a building. So, you know, let's say if uh, a municipality says the maximum um, elevation, maximum height for a building can be 30 feet. Um, so they'll, you know, typically say, oh, well, that's, that's then, um, you know, 30 feet from freeboard. So, you know, but at the same time, the base flood, Maybe, like I said, I was saying earlier, like elevation nine, and then but freeboard may be a foot or two feet above that. So you could very well have, you know, let's say if it, it was if the the floodplain was at elevation nine, let's say the ground is at elevation six, you know. So because when I'm saying elevation, it's elevation above um, the height above sea level. So you know the ground is six feet above the the level of the the sea. So. Um, you know, if the ground is at elevation six, but then freeboard is, I believe what I was just saying there, nine, let's say elevation 11, freeboard's at 11, then you have another, you can do maximum height of 30, you know, that's, 
that's another, well, that's actually like 35 feet above the ground. Um, you know, so the, uh, that's why sometimes if you, if you have been in some, uh, you know, shore towns or waterfront towns, it seems like the, um, you know, buildings are getting taller and taller Well, they're trying to, you know, deal with the, the flood elevations. But, you know, by saying that the height is based off of the freeboard, then that, you know, if it always was 30 feet above freeboard, but the free, you know, freeboard maybe may move over time, like every 10 years or whatever it may be, you know, they do, do sometimes adjust what the, um, the elevations are. Um, they can even adjust where freeboard is, uh, depending on you're at. So the, um, you know, that, that 30 feet may be kind of a moving target in terms of like, you know, maybe, it, you know, one day, let's say 20 years ago, you know, freeboard was three feet above the ground. Now it's five, now it's six, etc. So, um, that's why sometimes building, you know, buildings can start getting so high, um, in the, you know, down at the shore. Now when it was interesting, cause when I was building, when we were doing a lot of these, um, projects is when hurricane Sandy hit. So I actually had a project that had to go through, um, it went through a review, but then the new regulations hit and we didn't have a building permit yet. So we had to actually redesign everything. And in that case, uh, I think the house was, let's say the house was only five or six feet off of the ground, maybe nine. Um, let's say it was five or six. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but then it ended up being like 12 or 14 feet above the ground on the, uh, the new regulations. So, um, like I said, they, those do vary. And unfortunately, a lot of times when they, they are changes, when something like Hurricane Sandy hits, you know, something that's, um, a pretty much, you know, of some sort of significance. Um, you know, I mean, if you look back at like 9-11, this is a different, different thing, but, you know, high rise codes change from 9-11. Um, you know, so, um, you know, in this case, Hurricane Sandy uh, made some changes as well. So, um, moving on to, uh, the, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, the flood zones then, you know, separate or related, but separate to the base flood elevation are, uh, designations that FEMA created, um, from, or I'm sorry, the, the national flood insurance program created. Um, and they have a lot to do with the, uh, well, I was mentioning earlier, like the hundred year storm. So the most, you know, in a hundred years, what, whatever the worst case scenario is. And these flood zones also kind of take into account of, um, wave forces and wave heights um, into the, um, into that zone. So it's, it's kind of like the intensity of the zone rather than the, the, um, physical height of the, um, of the, the flood elevation for that, you know, the flood, the base flood elevation covers. So the, um, when, when you have these different zones, there's another set of regulations that come into play when it comes to the building. Um, and two of the main ones is um, how you deal with the base of the building, like what types of foundations you can have in there. It's, some of the flood zones will let, let you have the um, basic, your typical like uh, block or concrete wall foundation, you know, with like spread footings and, and whatnot um, that, uh, you know, so you have like a solid base that the building is around, but a lot, a number of the other zones actually require you to, um, build basically on stilts. Uh, they're called piles, but, um, you can't have a continuous wall. Now 
there are there are other regulations in terms of like you could put you could put a finish in front of those. So like let's say if you had a lattice, or um, let's say uh, you could even do if it's it's high enough, you could do like a garage potentially in a garage door. Um, you know, so you can kind of enclose it, but you couldn't do a solid wall. So you could actually you can't do like a it, in some of these zones where you would um, you're not allowed to have a continuous uh, foundation wall. Um, like I said, you could do like a lattice of some sort, but, um, you couldn't do like a, a solid, like a stud wall, um, to, from the, from the ground up to the uh, first floor level. Um, but, um, if you, well, there, there are some exceptions to that. And what the exceptions are, are the walls, the solid walls are actually specially engineered. Um, there's, there's two different types of that. Um, when you get into um, how you deal with the base here. And one is, is you could have a solid wall, but it has to have flood venting in it. And what that is, is a flood, essentially what a flood vent is, is if you, if you look on any building, you have vents for, for air, you know, it's like a square on the, on the, on a wall and it's got some type of grill on it and it lets air in and out. So a flood vent does that as well. Like there would be some blades and whatnot. So the water can get out. But if it gets to a certain level of, or pressure, usually what flood vents do is they actually open up like a door. Um, so you go from, let's say if you had a, you know, a two foot by, or one foot by two foot opening, and you had the grills, it's like essentially 50% of that is open. You know, so you kind of have it partially open. But then if the, with the flood vents, the whole thing can open up. So that entire area of the one foot by two foot can... Um, can open up and let the, uh, the water, um, water out. Um, because, um, well, let me, let me talk about the other, the other one then too. So yeah, so the flood vents that kind of relieves the pressure, um, of the, of the uh, water pressing against the house. Uh, then the second one is, uh, what, what they call a breakaway wall. And we use this, actually there were a couple of houses that used the flood vents. Um, but then we had, um, uh, a good portion of, of the houses that we did, we use breakaway walls. So what a breakaway wall is, is it's still, it's a framed wall, like a frame stud wall, but it's actually engineered to break and break away um, from the structure under certain uh, pressures of uh, floodwaters. So um, uh, the reason being is, is like, well, if that, if the entire wall breaks away, then there's, you know, more pressure that is relieved from the, um, from the floodwaters versus like I was mentioning, a flood vent could be one foot or two foot by four foot, something like that. But this, you know, breakaway wall could be, you know, 15 feet by 10 feet, you know, so, um, water getting up to a, a certain height, like let's say, you know, in theory, if water gets up to eight feet up that wall, that wall breaks away. And then, um, and then the water can kind of just rut, you know, flow through, the, uh, the structure. Now keep in mind when I'm telling you that the water's coming in and flowing through this, this water in theory should still be below where the first floor level is. So there is no damage to occupied space. So your living room's not getting flooded. Your, you know, your bedrooms are not getting flooded. What's getting flooded is the area under your, um, under the house. Um, so you could potentially, a lot of the municipalities do allow like garages. So, I mean, you could have a car or, or storage for, um, you know, uh, you know, being at the beach, so surfboards, boogie boards, beach, beach toys, chairs, things like that. Um, but the, um, 
but the actual, you know, finished portion of the house is still being protected um, from these fl floodwaters. So um, now, now what would happen if the, you know, there was no flood vetting or the breakaway walls? Well, the pressure would still be going there. So if you had a solid wall, um, you know, that pressure from the, the water still going against the wall. Well, what happens there is that wall is your main structure that supports the house. So that eventually will, will go. And when that goes, then the whole house goes. And you, you probably have, um, you know, um, seen examples of it. Like I know there was some images from, from uh, hurricane Sandy or any other flood event in the recent years and even years prior, um, that, you know, you see an entire house like floating down the street or something like that. So that's kind of where, uh, a breakaway wall or flood vent would try to uh, prevent that from happening. So, um, it was, uh, you know, so those are things to basically protect the bait, the, the main structure of the house. So you don't lose the house. And then, um, the final thing with that, well, there's two more things, but, um, when it comes to these base flood and all that, it all relates to your, I mentioned it's the national flood insurance program that, um, makes a lot of these, um, designation. Um, and they have what they call flood insurance rate maps that, um, show the zones and show the base flood elevations. And it's all related to, you know, insurance rates as well. So, um, you know, I'm not an insurance professional, so I couldn't really speak intelligently about that. But, um, but simply put, it's like, if you're complying, you know, you'll get a certain type of rate. If you're not complying to that, like an older home, um, you would, uh, you know, you would pay more really. And, um, so that's, uh, but that's kind of like the driving force, uh, behind it. So it's, it's kind of driven by the insurance company, but at the same time, um, it's, you know, the, the building design is, um, utilizing it to, you know, protect the building. So the structure, you know, the structure of the building, um, can be saved in the case of any of these flood events. So, you know, um, the, um, the, f the final thing I wanted to talk about, uh, real quick with, with, uh, this was, um, in the, um, in, in my case with the different, um, Bayfront properties, and this would be very similar to the ocean properties is, you know, and there are some special approvals that you have to get related to that as well. And, um, what that would end up being is like, um, I mean, you know, a typical building will have your building permit approvals, your zoning approvals, but then you would have to go like in Jersey, it's like the New Jersey, uh, department of Envir of environmental protection. We actually had to get a specialty consultant to handle all of these approvals that the, um, that you needed to get for, for, um, the, uh, DEP, um, you know, to, to build on, um, basically build, build on waterways. So, uh, and they have their own set of regulations, setbacks, things like that. Um, the, um, sometimes even the, the, uh, utilities on, on the, um, the waterfront has to get special approvals. Uh, we actually had, um, a couple of the houses were actually on County roads. So there was additional approvals related to that as well. Uh, especially when it came to those utilities is we had to get special approvals from them in order to get to even connect to power and connect to the water system and all that. So, um, there's always, you know, depending on where you're at, there's, um, it's not as simple as like get your building permit and start building. There was a number of other approvals that happened. And we even had one, one property that had a, um, uh, 
name escapes me what it was called. It was, oh, a, a riparian right needed to be cleared. And what that is, is there was actually old creeks that were on a map. The maps were like from the, like the late 1800s or something that um, they had anytime there was a, a purchase or, or changes in, in, on, on the property, those had to be cleared either. So or, or those also had to be cleared. So, um, you know, there's a, a number of things there, just not just related to, um, you know, the, the flood elevations and all that stuff. So the, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a it's an interesting type of, uh, uh, building, you know, it is residential in nature. So usually residential buildings are a little bit more simpler than, um, than a commercial building. But I think in this case with the, um, inclusion of like, you know, dealing with, with flooding and, um, and heck, we didn't even, we didn't even talk about, um, you know, wind, wind loads, you know, cause it's, it's a higher wind on, on a beach, um, you know, and also the salt water in the air and the, um, um, the, um, what was I going to say? The salt water in the air is, can, um, create some issues in terms of, um, the, the lifespan of, uh, materials. Um, I have seen, uh, I was at a, it was a different type of project, but it was a, a commercial, it was a casino building that was, um, closed for, for a little bit of time. And they had an outdoor uh, pool area with uh, bars and, you know, DJ booths and speakers and all that stuff. And all that stuff was out there and it wasn't being taken care of. And I mean, maybe in within a year's time, a lot of that, a lot of those metals were, uh, were already rusted, rusted up. And it was the, the salt water in the air that was, uh, was, was, uh, causing that. So, um, we'll, uh, We'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave, leave it, um, for this for now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, these, these types of projects are, um, these are the type of projects I actually like, uh, like these projects. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's always, it's always fun to go down to, um, you know, the job site inside the beach. <laughs> um, it is, it is a little different when you go down in the, in the middle of winter, you know, there's like no cars around. And usually a lot of times what happens is the, um, the projects are like, you know, during the summertime, some towns don't allow construction. Some towns do. Um, but a lot of times when I'm working on these projects, it's like, you know, from this time of year, it's, it's, uh, March and until like the fall is when these projects will get developed and, uh, on, you know, doing all the drawings and everything. But then once like September hits and the summer season is over is usually when the construction starts. So, um, you know, so then during construct, I'm usually down there, you know, during construction in the, uh, the fall and winter and early spring months. And then, uh, it's, you know, you're used to like no, no cars or anything. And then, uh, you get down there in the summertime, you got to make a visit and it's like, you can't even park because there's so many people down there. But, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good um, good project type, uh, but there is a lot of um, you know a lot of things to uh, consider there. So, if uh, if there's any um, questions you have, you know, related to that, feel free to uh, you know give a comment on the uh, you know through uh, if you if you see this in a post, you know, I usually post these on you know LinkedIn and and. Uh, and, uh, Facebook and Instagram and up, you know, put it up on my website, um, you know, make some comments there and, you know, let me know if you have any questions. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll leave you at that and, um, you know, until next time.
All right. So the music today in today's episode is um, the song is I Don't Know What It Is, but Sure Is Funky. It's by Ripple. Um, it's an older um, uh, funk song. And if you're uh, a hip hop fan, you might kind of recognize that uh, bass line being um, from Special Ed, I Got It Made. And uh, yeah, no. I Got It Made is one of my favorite hip-hop songs. And, um, you know, this song's this song is funky. I enjoy it. So, um, you know, I think if you've listened to this a while, I think a lot of times I, I, I might not – I might just like the song is really the reason why I'm choosing them. And uh, that's the case in this one. So, um, like, like I was saying, uh, actually, right before uh, – um, right when I kind of signed off on the previous segment is um, if you have any um, questions or comments, please uh, send them, you know, on the, on the post that you have or the post that you may see this on, whether it's my website, my Facebook page, the um, uh, what are other ones, LinkedIn and uh, even on, uh, well, I'm trying to think, no, Instagram, I, I usually do that as a story. Um, but uh but yeah, but co comment that way. You can actually comment um, if you listen to this through Anchor. There are um, there's a way you can leave messages for me through the Anchor app, um, and I'll I'll see if I can try to uh, answer any of the questions you know on, on uh, another uh, episode or you know or even you know if it's through a comment on on one of the posts, I'll do it there. So um, and also be on the lookout for. I did, a, I did a few um, posts on my previous episode on feasibility reports, and I, I want to do it a, a little bit here where I'm going to do a few um, little um, – oh, lost, lost the music. Song's over. But the um, – do the – some follow-up posts for, uh, related to, to the podcast, so providing additional information and, um, you know, related to this topic. Um, you know, or, or, you know, whatever, whatever other information I have, some of it may be very well could be, you know, adding, you know, answering some of these questions. So please, uh, give me some comments. Uh, let's have a conversation outside of this, this podcast. It'd be awesome. And, uh, and yeah, so episode 20 is down. I don't, I, I'm surprised I've done 20. Um, but, uh, one other thing actually related to that. And before I get out of here is, um, be on the lookout. I'm going to actually do with this music. I'm going to start um, publishing or, or sharing uh, my playlists from the podcast episodes. So I got, you know, being episode 20, there's probably 20, maybe 21 or 22 songs. I think one of the um, episodes I did two songs in one for, you know, one of the guests gave me, gave me two songs. So, um, but I'm going to publish those. If you, if you're listening to this on Spotify or you listen to music on Spotify, um, I will be sharing um, the podcast playlist probably 
Um, you know, every 20 episodes I'll be putting them out. So, um, you know, be on the lookout for that. And yeah, I think that's it. And until next time, we'll see you then.